And hello everyone, welcome to the Two Back Set Podcast, a college football show hosted by me, Thomas, a.k.a. Mr. Warburg, alongside my perpetual co-host Patrick, a.k.a. Mr. Fusion. Greetings and salutations, football fans. Yeah, it's, We're our, here. it's our first episode for week zero. We're going to do a little season preview today. It's our first college football show. Fusion and I, uh, we've podcasted for many years together. Uh, me personally, I think this is like the sixth show I've done as, as like a major part of. Uh, and I'm excited to actually get to talk sports with Fusion. We've talked sports for years. We've done a, an entertainment show for the last three years. Uh, that way we hit episode 75 here later this year before we wrap that up. And I'm very excited to talk football with you, Patrick. It's, you know, Thomas, it's, it's always a pleasure, man, because whenever we talk about our entertainment stuff, we always somehow find a way to squeeze in football or sports. And now we're just going to, let's see if we kind of turn the table here. Let's see if we squeeze in a little bit of nerd culture, which I don't think so because, you know, it's football season and football is just, football's king in both your part of the country and my part of the country, right? Like, oh, for sure. If you couldn't once, tell, I'm a huge, yeah. I'm a huge Hawkeye fan. I mean, horns, you know, like, hey, we're the Midwest, lower Midwest, like where we are like football country out here. You know, oh, you yeah. talk about Friday Night Lights, which is like an institution for both of us and you know, when you think about college football, the NFL, all that stuff, man, like it's just it's that time of the year, man, where the where the turf, they you know, they 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 shave the turf, they paint down the lines, and you're like, let's get ready, man, let's do this. So I'm excited. I really am excited about this, just because we always talk sports on the side, and this is actually we're putting out content now, which is gonna be great because this is a big wheelhouse of mine. And I, I know you're a big fan. Uh, but, you know, I used to work in the industry for, for, for a long time. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to tell stories because that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to, like, bounce some ideas and let, let's, let's, let's crush some numbers of, from time to time. But mostly it's just, it's, just it's, a, it's a passion about football. You know, we both love football, man. And it's, I'm really excited for this, definitely. Same here, same here. So a little preview of the show. Um, if you're watching the video version, you can tell we're decked out in our team gear. I'm rocking the Hawkeye hat. My actually not joking punting is winning shirt, uh, the Tory Taylor shirt. Fusion's got his Texas Longhorns hat on. So those are the two teams we're going to primarily focus on as our hosts. We watch those games. We follow those teams. We've been a part of that culture with those specific teams for yeah. a long time. So those are going to be our primary focuses. Obviously, we're going to give you the general rundown of the college football things. You know, like the CFP predictions, Heisman talk, you know, big games of the week. That kind of thing, you know, the general, you know, paint by numbers, what you'll expect from a college football show. But like mm -hmm. Fusion said, I am hoping to bring a little bit, you know, because we are both well-rounded nerds, you know, we're yep. just kind of pop culture nerds in general. And, you know, that's, I don't want to shy away from that entirely because we are recording this on Tuesday, April 22nd. And right after this, we're both going to go watch a Star Wars show. Like, come on, you know, you can't entirely get away from the pop culture-ness. Um, but the primary focus, of course, will be football. Um, we also, the big thing we're going to be doing to marry those, that kind of nerdiness and the football is actually something I do on the side, which is my wood burning. I make custom wood art pieces, mostly for charity. Uh, but in, in years past, I've done things like a March Madness pool where we give away a wood burning to the winner. And we're doing that here. So I'm going to pull up on the video version. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, watching, who are listening, um, I'm pulling up an image of wood burnings I've done in the past for a charity stream. And I'm going to pull it up on the on obs here and full screen it 
Then we got things like a big Zelda piece. It's like on a 10 by 11. Ezio, Optimus Prime, Avatar The Last Airbender, of course, a Star Wars piece, and a Persona. Like, that's what I did for a charity batch last May that I do every every spring. And the winner of our picks pool, which is on Run Your, on your, Run your Pool, uh, they're going to be winning a piece from that, which I'm very excited about. So we'll be going through that. We're keeping it kind of small, but if you want to join, this is where I'm going to pimp our email because I'll be talking about it later in the show once I remember how full screen controls work. There we go. Back to the main feed. If you want to join, hit us up at, I think it's 2backsetpod at gmail.com. It's 2 spelled out, T-W-O. So 2backsetpod at gmail.com if you want to join the pool. The winner is going to get a custom wood burning by me, which I'm really excited about. And it can be anything. It could be, it could be your favorite team logo. It could be if you're like a pop culture nerd like us, you want a specific kind of thing. I'm your man. I got you. They may uh, reach out and say, you know what? That that winner may be me, and I may ask for Bo Jackson. You know? I mean, just, you know. There's plenty one of, of things. The great, one of the greatest sports stories ever told. You know, yeah, if true. you ever want to, you know, the legend of Bo Jackson, which surrounds us around college football, the mythos of college football, especially in the South and things like that. But, yeah, man, you never know. I'm, I just may win. I may not. Don't know. In me, I would want the that Heavens FX did a mock up of Tory Taylor's Heisman, where it's just a punter, where it's Reggie oh, Roby yeah. doing the Reggie Roby's like legendary like kick, and just give Tory Taylor the Heisman. Oh, that guy used to. Oh man, Reggie Roby was a beast, dude. He was so good. good. Lord. I'm serious. You... Punting is winning. Is it is a it is not a joke in Iowa. We fucking love punting. Okay. You know who you know who is pro- probably a huge fan of Iowa football? Bill Parcells. Oh, for sure. The big tuna. I mean, the guy lived and breathed off of his punt game. Like, his statistics about his offensive defense were centered around punting. So, I'm sure he's a big fan of Iowa football. Oh, definitely. So, speaking of Iowa football, we're going to get into some big news today that just dropped about an hour before the show. Um, The NCAA has already returned suspension details to the University of Iowa. I would assume Iowa State as well given that they were both involved, and that was the, predis- the kind of the inciting incident for them updating their uh, gambling suspension rules uh, earlier this May once the Iowa Department of Division of Criminal Investigation announced their investigation. So I'm going to give you a bit of a recap for those of you who maybe don't know what's going on with Iowa football and, sp- and Iowa State. Obviously, I'm focusing on the Iowa side, but there will be some Iowa State details in here as well because it's been heavily covered by both... by beat reporters on both sides of that rivalry because it's the two high profile institutions in our state i think it's a little odd only two of the big ones got hit for this but who knows maybe that's a man hours thing maybe they couldn't devote to all four big campuses because there's uni is the other d1 school and then drake is the prominent private school that's d1 and a few athletics so that they didn't get hit with anything as of now and there's actually a lot more NCAA schools, like my alma mater, uh, Warburg College, is and it is a D3 school. And I think there's like 10 or, 10 or 11 D3 schools in the state, plus one or I think one D2, Upper Iowa is D2. I think that's it for NCAA schools. But the, the gist is this. In May, in, I think May 9th officially, the Iowa DCI, Division of Criminal Investigations, announced an underage gambling sting uh, into Iowa and Iowa State. They had set up a geofencing. Essentially, they'd set up a an IP, you know, capturing net around the yeah. two campuses and specifically the football facilities of Iowa and Iowa State. They were looking into specifically underage gambling at the time. Uh, Iowa recently legalized online gambling as one of the more recent states to have done so. I think that was 
I think it was right before COVID that that became. I, that I don't. I, think, I didn't write down, but right before COVID sounds right. Um, does sound right. Yeah. And so they've been investigating that, and apparently since like a 2021, they've been actually doing it. They just only announced it in May once they were officially pursuing charges. So several major players have been in, you know, in, in um, implicated so far in terms of actual charges by the Iowa DCI. Those centering on tampering. They actually were going around the trying to skirt the online gambling rules using family names, using siblings' names, friends' names to try to essentially hide their identity and hide their betting habits. Uh, the big ones so far were at Iowa State. We'll start there. Hunter Decker is their quarterback starting. Jirel Brock, the starting and expected to be starting halfback. Uh, he has left the team as of, I think, yesterday. Isaiah Lee was a defensive tackle who actually bet against his team. He has also left the team. They've had a lineman and I think a backup, I think a backup D end uh, also implicated, as well as a few other players like in their wrestling program. And I think a couple basketball players that have since transferred. One is playing now, was to play at Rutgers, and he's been implicated. At Iowa, the bigger names actually already left the team or left the school in general in terms of the tampering charges. Uh, Arland Bruce is by far the biggest name. He had some major miscues in a few games that were very close down the stretch, but I, obviously that's reading tea leaves and you don't want to say exactly that's why he made yeah. some uncharacteristic mistakes. Obviously these are young men. They're not professionals in, term, in the truest sense, so mistakes are going to happen whether they bet on the games or not. Uh, he was a wide receiver. He had, I believe, transferred to it was either Kansas State or Oklahoma State. I think it was OSU. Yeah, because uh, who was number six? He transferred to Kansas State. Um, Reggie Bracey was a backup wide receiver who was a friend of Arlen Bruce. He has since left the team. Jack Johnson was a walk-on wide receiver implicated in the tampering charges, likely facing a lifetime NCAA ban. And Aaron Blom was a backup kicker who was suited for a game and bet the under, but never got into the game. And at Iowa, unless there's a competition, generally the backup kicker's not getting in the game beyond kickoffs. Yep. So it, that was not a case of him like hurting the team or anything. It was just he bet the under, which was probably a smart bet. Uh, and but facing a, and likely to receive a lifetime ban from the NCAA. All yeah. the players that I just named are same with the wrestlers and stuff that are involved. Um, the update for this, though, is that just this afternoon, as I said earlier, the NCAA has informed the university that they have returned suspensions for 11 unnamed players at this time. Per NCAA rules and the school's rules, they're waiting for student-athlete consent to give the names. That'll most likely come tomorrow. And so by the time of this recording, or by the time of this publishing tomorrow, we should have names. The biggest name you're likely to hear will be Noah Shannon, who is an expected to be all Big Ten defensive lineman. Um, he has not been charged with underage betting because he is a six-year senior. And even if, assuming 2021 was when they started tracking, he would have been a fifth-year senior. So yeah. no underage with him. He has not said if he had bet if he had bet against the team or bet specifically on football. If he bet on football, it will be a longer suspension. If he bet on other Iowa athletics, it will be a fairly lengthy suspension. But it will also depend on the amount. Um, I didn't look this up because it was actually hard to find a graphic for it. That I because I had a few different beat writers Twitters pulled up. Chris Williams, who's an Iowa State beat reporter, I had pulled up, but they had just NCAA had just essentially constricted and shortened the time frame on gambling because those rules hadn't been updated in quite some time with the proliferation of uh, online betting. So they actually kind of reworked the rules 
to hopefully length lessen some of these suspensions for the less severe betting patterns. But some of these guys, I mean, were betting tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm assuming of the ones that weren't named, the ones that weren't doing that much betting, I'm assuming they won't be facing lifetime bans. Otherwise, they would probably not be practicing. Though Kirk has been treating this a little differently than at Iowa State, where Iowa State, they held out everybody implicated. They didn't yeah. touch football. Iowa, Iowa has not been doing that. Beyond Aaron Blome, who was an, he was an actual on-the-team player, the ones named were already gone. So everybody else is just kind of, we don't entirely know because Kirk hasn't been sitting anybody. But we do know, at least Noah Shannon is implicated, and he has said as much. He's the only public one that has said anything. So I'm very curious to see what the names will be tomorrow. Uh, and if I have time, I may wait to publish this until tomorrow evening, and I may self-insert a, here's the names. Uh, okay. what, what are we at? We are right at 13 minutes on the recording. So we'll say 13 minutes, possibly do an insert for uh, our... Uh, update on the gambling situation. But that's where it stands right now. Tomorrow we should be seeing 11 names not already named by the NCAA in regards to their gambling suspensions. Fusion. What is, from the outside, obviously I've been in the state of Iowa this whole time. Yeah. What's been your takeaway on the gambling situation, not just specifically at Iowa, but gambling kind of at large in the NCAA? So the biggest thing for me is that it kind of it pulled the big band-aid off in terms of like, we have to talk about this in terms of like what the floodgates have opened up about money in, in sports, right? Um, which DraftKings, which stadium, they, they, they sponsor an arena, don't they? Or a stadium in pro sports, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. Are they a sponsor I, for NLA? Possibly. I think so. I think, is it, is it in LA? The DraftKings Stadium sponsorship. But okay, so my point being in that it it's the the whole gambling thing. MetLife Stadium is an Met exclusive sponsorship. Okay, so um, you know it's it's opened up like gambling and sports has become a we we know this in the NFL fantasy football it, it's a big thing. Roger Goodell, you know, in his, early in his tenure, spoke up kind of against it, and now he's kind of taken a much more sensitive approach. Whereas Adam Silver is a much like yeah, it's you know it's. We can't be stupid. We've always known gambling is a part of pro sports, but it's always been a taboo thing outside of you go as a as a civilian and you go bet on football games. Then the NIL came about a few years ago, where athletes athletes can start making money off their images. Not everybody can, honestly. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, I think the people are trying to. My point is, is that people are trying to bridge kind of these two these two things that are not mutually exclusive and make them so which is the nil which is students are trying to make more money and it's tempted it's tempted fate in that now they were now they're doing things like gambling which i think if if they the NCAA, doing... yeah which which i really think about if you really dig deeper for me outside looking in i know i'm not stupid i know this doesn't start and stop in the state of iowa I know that's not the case. And I know that there are major schools that are probably on speed dial with the NCAA. And I'm going to say it like someone like Nick Saban, who has had the NCAA under his thumb for a very, very long time. I'm not saying he's corrupt, Thomas. What I'm saying is, is that like whenever there are issues out there that he, that affect him, he has no problem speaking up and the NCAA has no problem listening, right? I, I have no... 
I have no doubt that if there's something going on in Alabama, you know, what school was it that took all the cell phones a couple weeks ago? I there I was... saw that story, but I didn't write it down. But just to oh, offer man. you an update there, there are sure. 34 states with live legal operation of online gambling. Not Texas, by the Four way. Four are in progress. Like the legislation has passed, but has not kicked over. Five sure. are have no legislation. And I believe Alabama is one of them. So they actually don't allow online gambling. And Illinois has done a carve out where, and a few other states have done this, I think Kansas too, where you cannot bet on college games. No, Nebraska did that. You can't bet on college games. Okay. Don't quote me on the Nebraska-Kansas thing, but I know Illinois for sure. You can't okay. actually bet on in-state sports for the for the colleges. Now, can, but you can still go to Vegas and bet on whatever oh, you want. Absolutely. But in terms okay. of the online, like the IP, yeah. your account is in the state. You can't do it. Which there's obviously ways to work around. There's that, way there's all know? there always has been. You could always go yeah, to a bookie, you, right? But you go you go to a bookie. You know what I mean? Like even, online, even Kirk Ferentz said that. Like they'd have been yeah. much better off just going to a bookie. Like right? that's what he said. He's like they've always done it. It's he his point was he said it's the apps. Like yeah. kids that are ten years younger than me, which is crazy to think about. They've always had these. The apps just yep. there. Your your clock is on there. Your alarm is on there. Everything in your life is on here. So of course it's super easy. Oh, I'm just gonna bet, you know, now ten bucks is out of my account. Cool, I'm done. Right? Like yeah. that's so much easier than it used to be. I live in in Iowa, we live in the middle of fucking nowhere. I gotta drive at least an hour to get to a casino. Like, at least. You know? So and they weren't even at in at the initial offering for sports gambling, you had to drive to Des Moines. There was only one book in, sports book in the entire state. That's changed now, but it was way harder. It has become so damn easy. And they are saturated with ads all the time, including on college games. Yep. It is no wonder it happens not just in Iowa, but across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is it's a quick fix for cash that, that, that they see. Like, they win a game, they can cash it out, put it in their account, right? So the addiction, and I'm not, I don't want to talk about, like, politics or, so like, social issues, but I, I understand because I have family that are, substance addicts as well as i know i have quite a few family members that are gambling addicts i'm not like that that's not my personality but i understand how easily people can get kind of sucked into it right college students are a very different breed in that you know if you don't have a big nil or nil in general bringing you extra cash in you can't you still can't go out there and get a job like you have to go through proper channels for nil money to come into your bank account versus like you have to go like if you go get an actual job during the off season of college football or whatever, uh, you have good to luck if you're your... a football player. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's like a sixty-hour work week with classes, right, and training and all that stuff and studying. So, I understand how this can happen. I, but I, I, I am outside of the state of Iowa, kind of frustrated with the college football conversation being that okay, let's put point over to another problem, and I'm like, that's another problem with its own set of the issues that we have oh, to yeah. talk about. Like with the people NIL, trying to but, um, blame that for the death of college yeah. football with realignment. No. And like, no, no NIL has literally nothing to do with that. No. See, here's the thing with that. And I'll go like, in a tiny tangent about this players that have a value student athletes. You can't just say, Oh, they're getting a free college scholarship, a free ride through college. That's more than enough. No, it's not because you know, someone like Johnny Manziel who brought in hundreds, I mean, hundreds in two years, three years of millions of dollars for Texas A&M didn't see 
above the table until you go watch the fucking documentary on Netflix. Above the table, he didn't see a fucking dime, which he should have, and that's not fair. Yeah, like the fact this that it was illegal thing. to sell an autograph is so. Insane. This is where we get to. This is that it's like the danger is, and you brought this up. One of the players on Iowa, it was Iowa State, bet the under, but he didn't. He, he it was didn't Iowa, play the, the backup kicker. Iowa backup kicker. So, but the danger is if he goes out there and he has to perform a game-winning kick, then it, it calls into question, like... Yeah, it calls into question everything. The Arlen Blue, yeah. the Arlen DeBruce stuff is, like, some of the stuff, like, he fell down in the open field to, to not get a first down. You're like, and he, he, we, he bet the under. Yeah. Like, those questions will arise. So, obviously, they and have here, to crack down on it. And here's the thing we know about the over-unders. You and I aren't gambling people. We don't like to look at the odds lines and, and make our predictions based off of, like, that stuff, per se but we both understand there's a need for it or a place for it. But those odds makers, they are fucking like wizards when it comes to that shit, right? So we know that their stuff is like an inch or two in either direction, meaning like they give you an odds line. It's like they're pretty damn close every time a game kicks off and ends with those odds lines for them, like for like something like, I think you're t- I think somebody did a track of it and ridiculous number was Vegas odds lines are in like college sports, something like, 85 percent pretty close within like a couple of points you know it's ridiculous uh and i can understand the danger in that because like you said he falls down instead of going for a first down it's like oh shit we have to call it all and we have to call the legitimacy of his body of work into question now you know and, mm-hmm. and that's and, why they're going to face lifetime bans yep and they should and it's they should they should like i think when, when the story first came out and we were talking about this online one the one thing i always said was with sports in general most leagues are really like, you know, okay, we don't want to talk about it. As long as you don't it, bet on your happen. sport, you're good. As long as you don't, no, as long as you don't bet on your sport, but as long as you don't bet on your team. And here's the problem with that. We have players on both teams Betting that on bet team. on their teams. Like yeah. the games they were, they, the games they were a part of, it's like, oh shit, man. This is like, an, this is a Pandora's box that's going to create a yeah. whole litany of problems. And the other thing is, is that you mentioned this at the very beginning of the, of this, of this story was that, you know, they opened up a monitoring system because of how the state of Iowa had legalized the betting, the, the new betting, they had new betting laws. How long have they been monitoring other states? Yeah. Were they monitoring other states? Yeah, were other states doing this and just have, have they swept it under the rug? Are they not even looking? Yeah, I mean, like, to, to think that, to think that, they're, that, that we don't have any other D1 students doing this around is, college football. Yeah, it's a farce. That's that they happening. Learned, They've they've got this information from somewhere, right? They didn't get it just from like, oh, I'm a guy playing for the Hawkeyes, and you know, oh, I have a friend that plays at Iowa State. We're chatting about, hey, you could go gamble if you do this this on your phone. Cool. It had to have come from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, chances are it came from somewhere else. Like somebody on the West Coast or on the East Coast was like, hey man, like just as a heads up, like this is what I use. There could be they could have been going on to Reddit and reading this shit. Like they got this information from somewhere. And my thought is there are other schools out there. And it's going to, I'm sure the NCAA is investigating, which, you know, don't be shocked if, you know, over the next couple of weeks or months, we hear a couple of other former students. And I think at this point, I, I, I'm really trying, it's, 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 it's frustrating me because maybe it was Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. I don't know where it was, but it, basically when the news broke a couple of days later in practice, like as soon as the seat, like as soon as, um, as the summer practice session started, the coach is like, guys, fucking start deleting all your shit off your phones now like he went in and told the entire football team like none of this stuff is allowed 
You know, if you're playing for our school, none of these apps are allowed. Get them off your phones now, or you will be kicked off the team, right? And you know they. Yeah, because if you're an NCAA people. athlete, you can't bet on anything the NCAA has a championship in. Really, yep. realistically, the only real thing you can bet on is NASCAR, and F1, like racing, because NCAA doesn't have a sanctioned racing event. You know, yeah. so that's it, right? No Olympic sports, right? Like nothing like that. You can't bet on those. So what's what's the rules? Because I don't know this. I don't know if maybe you know this from doing all of the Iowa research now. But are there are these rules still strict for like a paid out fantasy league for like college or pro sports? Well, that's where it gets interesting because fantasy is is I think classified different. Like it's not specifically yeah. gambling on a game yep. or a series of games. It's just it's a it is a game itself. Yeah, it is not gambling in and of itself. Now. Yeah. There may be different rules about paid versions of it, but I don't think it's against any rule for any NCAA athlete to say join an ESPN NFL fantasy list. You know, I don't think there's rules against that. There may may come into stuff with paid, but I don't believe so. Where it's just every few years. Of course, if I'm wrong, let us know at twobacksetpod at gmail.com. Please, please. Who is spelled out? T W O. T W O. We th- this is one of those things where every few years something in sports has to push the envelope and we kind of have to reset. Yeah, a few this is going to be a things. not just NCAA like DraftKings, FanDuel. They're going to have are they going to implement new systems of like, hey, are you an NCAA athlete? Like, are they going to be yeah. have to get lists from the schools of, hey, these are the NCAA athletes in our school. Is NIA is NAIA going to have to make their own you know yeah. protocols you know to like. Hey, we're gonna submit these names to FanDuel and DraftKings and any like Circus Sports, anybody like that who operates, you know, within our state. And if you're on those lists, they will tell us, and you are off the team immediately. Well, here's the other thing: NIL is probably gonna have to get involved for kids as well because, you, like you said, everybody younger than us has they live and die with these things. And like, how simple is it to say, oh, just go d- if you download this app, you can go, you know run a VPN so you're not technically registered in your state and you can go bet on, on you know, sports. Exactly. And I, like I said, I think this is like every few years in sports in general, whether it be pro leagues, college, whatever, there's always these kind of like, we have to kind of reset some of the rules because someone pushes the boundaries in some way, shape, yep. or form. And I'll give the NCAA credit. They immediately fig- like, tightened up the gambling rules. Yeah. Because this obviously, was like, boom. underage gambling is specific, like, in terms of it's like a moderate speeding ticket in terms of slap on the wrist, like what it is actually uh, penalty wise as a legal yeah. consequence. Like it is not that big of a deal in terms of the legality. Obviously when it comes to integrity of the championship NCAA needs to actually be severe on this, but they understand that our perception of gambling and its pervasiveness in the sport has evolved to a point where they needed to kind of scale back some penalties and right. as well as, change up the amounts because it's it's how much you bet will affect how you know and what you bet on that will affect the length of the suspension they turned those things around fast i want to yeah. say it was like within a month and now that they've got the they officially it sounds like they sent the ncaa the iodci sent the ncaa stuff like a couple of weeks ago they've already got names back for suspensions which i'm like well damn holy shit you're fucking up some things like the guys that took advantage of the transfer thing and then you change the rules after they left that's yep. not cool but they seem to be actually operating at a pretty quick speed with when it comes to the gambling suspensions, which kudos to them for that. So I think that's a good kind of recap for where we're at on the gambling issue. Um, do we want to focus on team previews next? 
do that. Let's talk. Let's talk about teams. All right, we've talked a fair bit about Iowa just because of the gambling issue. Obvious, so Fusion, obviously. let's turn to you. Your Texas Longhorns. What does the 2023-2024 season look hold for them? Okay, first off, I want to get this out of the way, guys, because if you're a fan of the Longhorns or if you like picking on the Longhorns, which I don't care, there's that line is very thin between both, honestly. Um, don't go out there and say Texas is back because I don't want to hear it as a big, long-time, a lifelong Longhorn that went to school there. I will tell you, I'm not going to say Texas is back until they make the college football playoff. Then you could say Texas is back. With that said, they're going to have a very, very good year. And the reason why is because they have probably one of the stacked uh, rosters coming in in terms of like incoming freshmen, as well as just returning uh, players, both on the defensive and offensive side of the football. Biggest hole they obviously have is they're missing out on running back. Bijan Robinson went into the NFL. All indicators, he's going to be a fucking beast out there, which I'm happy for him because he's a just a great guy. Um, had a great career at Texas. Um, CJ Baxter is a freshman coming in. He's going to uh, make some waves, but I think with with CJ Baxter and Jonathan Brooks and then Keelan Robinson kind of, I think they can have a pretty solid running game until Baxter takes over. He's a 18-year-old that's 6'2", 220 pounds. And I think the best way if you're a Texas fan and you've watched a lot of Texas football, he reminds me a lot of Cedric Benson in that he's a he's he's got the size and the frame. He runs more upright, but he doesn't run like too straight up, kind of like a Adrian Peterson. He's a little because when he when he takes the ball, he's a little lower to the ground, but little because of his height, he doesn't look like he's so you know so so compact uh, when he comes out uh, and you know takes gets the handoff. So I, I really like C.J. Baxter, um, Xavier Worthy coming back. They have probably one of the best. Um, receiving cores in college football if you add JT Sanders their tight end who I think is going to who is very underrated who's going to be a great in the NFL Um, defensive side of the football outside of Jalen Ford there's a lot of no names on the roster right now but a lot of freshmen coming in are going to be awesome there's uh they have one of the biggest uh linebackers in the nation coming in this year as a freshman Um, he's going to be key on the outside they basically spent um recruiting season really uh, fine-tuning the edge, because that was a big thing with Texas. When you watched that Alabama game last year, um, they were obviously missing edge rushing. You know, It got better over the, over the season, but they didn't have any dynamic pass rushing. That's changed. They're bringing in some very skilled, uh, very talented five-star athletes on the outside of the football, so I'm hope, uh, on the edges. So I'm, I'm expecting them to be much better there um, as the season goes on. I'm not saying if, if they struggle this year that Sark is going to be on the hot seat because they've paid him way too much money. But I think that if they don't at least win the Big 12 on their way out to the SEC, it's going to create a big problem with the alumni because they're going to say, is Sark really the guy? Because he's, he can recruit, you know, so did um, so did Tom Herman. He was, he was great at recruiting. He couldn't coach him up. I think the difference here is that is that Gary Patterson being there on the defensive side of the football is really going to help them. Uh, you know, being the consultant for a second year is going to really help them really get an identity on defense. That said, I think do you want me to go down the schedule and tell you where I, I think my my big my big takeaway I want to have for both of us is our record predictions. Okay, record prediction. This team is more than likely going to end up ten and two. But they could Actually, end up eleven. Speaking of, let me actually pull up Texas's schedule. Sure. Let me go to the top twenty-five. Find the Texas game. 
Texas, Texas, Texas. <clears throat> Full schedule. Okay, and we'll go to... Okay. All right, it's up on our screen right now. Yep. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, so yeah, first game sure. is at Rice. At Rice, which is a victory. Uh, no, they're at DKR. No, they're going to be... No, they are versus Rice. They're at home. Yep, they're at home. Um... You know, rice is just rice. That, let me put it like that. The rice owls occasionally are, are good. Hey, they're three and zero against Bama all time. That's a good point. <laughs> but it's from the fifties, so it doesn't <laughs> count. 50s. Speaking of Bama, so like, man, okay, they're gonna go. They're gonna roll rice halftime by probably by the end of the by half. They'll get ready at some point early in the third quarter to bring in their backups and the freshmen to get some, some snaps in. Right, that's usually how it plays out week one for the Longhorns. But then just two years in a row, we've got you know one of the most elite teams in college football this time though we have to go out to tuscaloosa yeah and that's that's i mean look they they're they're we don't know saban has and it's a night game that's a night game or e- early evening game and here's the thing is that we don't know who the quarterback is until uh, until you know week one uh saban's been very uh tight-lipped about who's going to be their starting quarterback um outside of that quarterback could be an issue their receiving core is not very good at Bama, or it's okay. Um, I still think because it's in Tuscaloosa, they have the advantage. They, I want to say, I'm going to circle around to this game because the winner of this game, I'm slotting into my CFP predictions. This is an That's early, an early kind of check of who's going to be on the table for a college football playoff winner of this game. Okay, okay. That's fair because it's an out of conference mm-hmm. game for both of them. So it'll be used as a judging between them if they stay close throughout the season. I'm teetering towards 10 and two for the Longhorns only because of we'll come up to it in a little bit, but I think if they finish 11 and one and Bama being their only loss, they will win the big 12. They will be in the playoff. Yeah. I think they would probably end up as the three or the four in that case. I think they'd probably be the. Depends on, depends on everyone else's records. Yeah. Everyone else. Just because you, I mean, yeah, I, I think I, yeah, yeah. Just depending on everyone's at record, but if they beat Bama, like this, like all bets are off. This team is going to be somebody. Yeah, you're gonna have a special right? season. And they were just they were a fucking possession away from beating Bama. That was last a year. great they, game too. And if Quinn Ewers had not gone out in the first quarter, what could have been? Because he yeah. was like he Dude. was like murdering their secondary. Yeah, it was just, oh. I've been through that as an Iowa fan. Oh nine, Stansy goes down. You got that what if? They they go on the road with a backup and take Ohio State to overtime. You're like. Dude, if Stanzi never got hurt, are we talking about national title appearance Iowa in 2009? That'd have been crazy. So Quinn Quinn's gonna take this game very serious. Apparently, he's shaved the mullet off because he's taking this season very serious. Because waiting in the wings is uh, a Manning dude. And Personally, if you know, never shave the mullet. You're in college, don't shave the mullet. I think. I think. Okay, for me, I think. I think it depends on the kid. More, I think for him, it was like. I think people made it more of a joke. You know, that was his image last year as the starting quarterback for Texas was, oh, he's kind of lighthearted. He's got the mullet. I think really people were like, okay, you know, they didn't take him too serious. And I think he's really taking this season very serious because he knows if he struggles at all, the freshman Arch Manning is going to be coming in pretty quick. You know, even though Malik Murphy is listed right now as number two on the depth chart, I don't think so. I think I think Arch Manning will end up becoming the number two quarterback, and they'll get him in as soon as they can. I don't think they want a redshirt Arch Manning because I don't want to risk him transferring out at the end of the year. Quinn, he's going to finish this what season. What year is he? Is he a sophomore? He's a junior. He's okay, a junior. so if he has a good year, he's gone to the NFL. 
Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. That's the and hope that was, for Texas. Like, That's the best case. That, and that was this was this was very strategic on Sark's part, and I thought it was really good because everyone was like, "Wait, aren't we going to have you uh, for two more seasons? Isn't that going to be kind of a screwing thing to have you know Arch Manning sit for two years?" And I'm like, "No, nah, man." Quinn was the number one quarterback in the country when he went to Ohio State when he picked OSU over Texas three years ago. He definitely wants to go into the NFL. I think he's done after this season. No matter what, I think he's done. He would have to have like a really bad season. And even if he, if he had a really bad season, he's probably transferring out because then Arch is going to be the guy going forward next year. Oh, for sure. But but I think I think he's taking he's taking this game very personal. It's on his it's on his calendar. It's circled. This is like he wants to march into Tuscaloosa and he wants to throw the ball all over the field. And he has the ability to do that. The problem I had with Ewers last year was his arm fatigue as the season went on. I didn't like it, man. Like he started throwing these really high ducks and these just these floaters that were just and that was that was his deep ball. And I think there was fatigue in his arm. Hopefully he's taken the offseason much more serious. He's trained a lot harder. Apparently he is in like a phenomenal shape. Great. Let's see how he goes because he's got to become a leader. And I think in that first game against uh, the second game of the season, that first game against uh, Alabama, he was able to just kind of just throw the ball around and it gained a lot of confidence. Then he went down with the injury and then he came back against, you know, it was, it wasn't Texas tech because they lost that game. But when he came back against Oklahoma and just filleted the Sooners, that really gained a lot of confidence for him. But I also think he kind of, was like I can go ahead and go and kind of into cruise control at that point because the biggest games of my season were I were already in front of me and I've knocked those out so he didn't show an improvement. He's got to show that this year, especially going into Tuscaloosa. My thought is is that the, that the, the Tide win this game. I won't be shocked if the Longhorns go in, make it interesting just like last year, and could be able to pull it out. If they pull it out. Yeah, they're 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 not going to be just the four seed in the playoffs. They're going to be in the, the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but where's your other be... loss? If I instead of going down game by game, like sure. you said, ten and two. Where's your other yeah. like potential game? Potential game is November fourth against Kansas State, man. Ah, so that's a pick. I that's a, that's going to be a very interesting game, just because I think like look, Oklahoma. I think Texas will beat Oklahoma. Houston, Dana Holgerson. He's, this is his last season. He's going to be out the door. BYU is kind of a tough one for me. I was like, how good they, are they? But I think BYU is going to have a much better season, but at the same time, they don't scare me. TCU, I don't think they're going to be as good as... I think I think they're, they're going to be... They're in for a hard regression. Yeah. They lost some really key people, both on offense and defense, particularly their quarterback. I think they're um, in for that 2015 Iowa to 2016 Iowa kind of regression. Not going to be okay. a bad team. But they're not no. going to light the world on fire. No, they, 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 they may early in the season kind of tease that they could be uh, c- competing for the Big 12. But then, you know, for Texas, this is a murder, murder's row after that, that Kansas game on September 30th. You, you, you know, obviously in Dallas, October 7th against the Sooners, uh, the Red River rivalry or shootout. But then they play U of H in Houston. Then they come back to Austin to play BYU. The next week, then they play K State. That's a pretty, and then TCU's right after that. But that is a very tough yeah. five game stretch for Texas. If they come out of that undefeated, I think that, like you said, they're the number four seed. That's it for them. Where's the most likely to trip them up? You think you said it was Kansas State? My, Kansas State's the, if you know. if Iowa State was a hundred percent, I'd be like, ooh, at Iowa State, end of season. You know, Matt Campbell's got a second year with his quarterback, a great starting running had, back. Yeah. But they both are going to have NCAA lifetime bans. So. If, if if all things being equal, if Iowa State was 
everybody back. They would have been a kind of like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna get somebody, but yeah. this now they're not. They they just don't no. have the horses this year. And I I think I think honestly I think the less Iowa because Kurt Ferenz has been doing this for a long time versus Campbell at Iowa State in terms of like leading one school for so long. I think this is going to affect the football team, the the whole gambling uh, saga. It's going to affect them a lot more than we think. Not just losing players. I just I'm talking about just perception out there. There's going to be a lot of shit talking against Iowa State throughout the season. Oh, for sure. Teams will get in their head. Whereas I think Kurt's been doing this long enough. I think he knows how to skate around all of those issues to get Iowa to do what they do best. Right, play defense and have great special teams, but you guys have a running back that's really good. You guys have a transfer quarterback in that's going to be better. You know, like, I think, I think, uh, I think they'll be better. That's, for me, I thought about it. I was like, okay, what's that slip-up game? Because Texas over the years has had that slip-up game. Kansas, Kansas isn't going to be very good this year, guys. No. Baylor, I, I, you could say Baylor, but I didn't like what I saw from Baylor last year to really think that they And it's early season, too. Yeah, yeah. Um... Wyoming's not very, you know, it's just Wyoming. They're a good, they're a good mid-tier uh, bowl team. Bowl are, they school, in the, but... are they in the MEAC? Are they in the, are they in the, mid- they in the Mountain, Mountain West? West? Yeah. They're in the Mountain West. Um, the only one is, obviously, after Thanksgiving, you play Texas Tech. It's in DKR. I'm probably going to go to that game. Um, I expect a report. Good. Yeah. For the if podcast. I go, like, yeah. If you, you go know, to any games. If I go to any you're, games, you're a little closer to your team stadium than me. It's a four-hour drive to Kinnick for me, so it's it's a four-hour drive versus a thirty-minute drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it just depends on COVID, man. I mean, but uh, you know, oh for sure, I things, totally understand. How things shape up, you know, one hundred and ten thousand people over in DKR, but I think I think that they can still beat Texas Tech. I as much as I think that that the Red Raiders will have a a, a pretty good season, I don't think that they're the they're the they're the team uh, that beats you know like TCU did last year just take people by surprise. Um, I think Kansas State could be that dangerous one. Over the years, they've had struggles playing Kansas State after they played Oklahoma. Um, and so Kansas State they, finished real strong last year. Yes, they did. They were they were they were one of those teams that were like outliers in the playoff. If you remember when it came down to like yeah, like the if they had managed years. to pull it off, yep. you're like I don't like if they had gotten one more win, they're on they're on that bubble. And had they beaten TC? Had they beaten TCU in the Big Twelve title game? Didn't they win the title game? No, TCU was undefeated, right? Yes, TCU was. No, trying to think how many. I'm trying to remember. Oh my god! Hang on, let me click on it. I have a link here. Yeah, let's go. TCU. Wait, never mind. That's last year. I want. Do I have it from last year? 2022. Yeah, they They lost. They lost in the conference game. Okay, so they lost yeah. that game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kansas State finished in the top ten last year. Okay. So they're they're a team that I think that they're going to uh, you know, create problems in the Big Twelve. So Texas can finish ten and two. I think more than likely it's going to be eleven and one. Um, I'm leaning ten and two though, but if they go out there and they beat everyone so else let's, outside. Let's of- say let's lock it on let's I'm gonna put it in the note sheet. Okay. Eleven and one, ten and two. Like what am I gonna hold you to? Hold me to, hold me to eleven and one, and they're the fourth team with the loss against Bama. With the loss against Bama. Okay. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play my school, man. Like as much as I'm a realist when it comes to sports, because you cover it for so long, you become a little jaded. I will say I'm going to be a little bit of a homer this year and say that they they run the table after 
after that loss against Bama. Fair enough. Well, that's regular season. We're not counting. That's regular. No, that's conference. No, no, we're not going. We're not going to talk about conference yet. I'm talking about just the, yeah, the regular. Just season. the regular season. All right. So now we'll move on to my team, and that's the oh. Iowa Hawkeyes. So oh. I'll go to the two man scene here before we get back to the schedule. So 2023-2024 for Iowa. Um, so obviously we've gone through the gambling stuff, and obviously it remains to be seen what specific names will be announced tomorrow. So my prediction may change. I may go down again if I in my prediction. So I will update week one next week with like, you'll have to give me a little grace there period there because we don't know names yet beyond yep. the one guy. Uh, albeit that's at a really deep position for us. So uh, my players to watch this year, like you were talking to kind of at the start of yours, uh, Caleb Johnson is Iowa's returning starting running back. He was a true freshman last year, rushed for over 700 yards behind a patchwork offensive line that frankly couldn't get anything done right beyond like two games. And he still managed over 700 yards and like, it's not an understatement when coaches at Iowa of all places are like, dude, this guy's touched by the gods. Like, holy shit. Like, he is an actual physical freak. And he really is. He is built. He is a guy that will be playing on Sundays. Whether he's a starter or not, I don't know. But he's got that power and burst we haven't seen probably since maybe Albert Young was at Iowa. Maybe Marcus Coker that one year he had a really good run. But, like, Tyler Goodson was a little smaller of a back, more of an agility back than, like, a true like hybrid power speed back like good like Caleb Johnson is that guy he's got the speed he's got the power he's got the size and he knows how to hit a hole like yeah we haven't had an all-around back like that in quite some time Aquam Wadley was close but again he was that more slight you know he's going to make a guy miss in the open field as opposed to go through him Johnson's more of the latter but can definitely do the former the on the defensive end uh one guy you probably haven't you don't know much about fusion that's Aaron Graves he was a, a national high school athlete of the year winner. He was an all-around four-star. Some had him as like a low five, depends on which ranking you were looking at. At least he was flirting with those rankings. And again, much like the guy last year we named Hercules on the line, he is huge. He is a defensive end. He's going to be an absolute monster in the backfield. And it's a roster where we can basically run 10 linemen. So he's not going to probably get that many snaps. But he showed up on film quite a bit towards the end of the season last year, coming off the bench. He's expected to get starter-level snaps this year, and he's being coached by Phil Parker, who is a defensive wizard. And for my money, is the best defensive coordinator in the country. In terms of okay. the recruits he's getting, the level they're playing at in college and then in the NFL, just like ready to go from the jump, he's the best. So any defensive player playing for Phil Parker is going to be an absolute standout. Um, we've got an incoming transfer, a Virginia linebacker. I, I didn't write his name down, but I knew where he came from. Uh, he's expected to be a pretty key cog as an outside linebacker in our kind of our cash defensive scheme. We're kind of in college. It's become more, much more common to play four or five defensive backs at a time um, as opposed to the traditional just, you know, two corners. So Cooper DeGene is the other big name. He's a first-team All-American. He actually got the specific DB All-American, not the cornerback All-American spot because he kind of plays a few different spots. He's probably going to be more of a safety in the NFL than a corner just because of his size, but uh, he's just an all-around athlete. Like, he was a high school quarterback who ended up winning state title a couple of times. There was rumors when injuries hit last year, are they going to throw Cooper in the backfield? They could. He's got the repertoire. You know, like he ran a kind of wildcat offense, which you would need to do in an emergency situation. Like, it wouldn't have shocked anybody if they did. And so, and he had three defensive touchdowns last year on pick sixes. So, and that coincidentally made him the leading touchdown receiver for the entire team, offense or defense. 
And like you said, we have an in Cade McNamara, who's a known quantity coming in. He's dealing with yep. a muscle issue right now, so hasn't been practicing this last week and a half. Went down on Kids Day scrimmage. Sounds like it's a quad, like either like a deep muscle bruise, maybe the slight, like a really slight tear. So they're just basically playing with kid gloves. He's probably not going to touch a football again until week one, like officially. But he should be. It sounds like he'll be starting week one. Uh, Eric All, defense, uh, Michigan tight end. He's expected to get pretty good reps, though Luke Lachey is the tight end who's going to probably wow some people. He is yeah. an all-around great prospect. He was a legacy at Ohio State, turned down going there to come play at the you know more recent tight end university in Iowa. And basically, he looks like Sam Laporta from last year. Like He's just your prototypical NFL tight end, and he's going to have a great season. The offensive line should get better. We had a transfer from Miami of Ohio, Rusty Feth, which is just an amazing... Uh, offensive lineman name he's i think he's playing guard um we've got a few guys coming back some guys changing positions on the line but everybody's a year older there aren't any underclassmen expected to start on this line this year which generally under kirk means we're in for a good season um other notes for speaking of kirk uh, he's at 198 career fbs wins so two wins the week two against iowa state should be career win 200 unfortunately that's on the road so we'll have to wait to come home to get an actual ovation for that. Though I would hope the Iowa State crowd would at least be like, okay, win 200 is pretty good. Uh, he had 12 at Maine, so he's at 186 at Iowa. If we have a crazy 14-win season, he gets 200 at both in the same season. Which would be pretty cool. That would mean you would win the national championship. But it obviously. ain't happening. <laughs> but that's not happening. It ain't happening. Well, well, we don't know. College football has... Technically, you would only need 12-0. Conference week, and you wouldn't need to win the title. You could go fourteen and one. The, yeah, you could yeah. go fourteen and one. Win that Technically, first game. Technically, yeah. you could lose in the national title. It ain't gonna happen. That'll be a next year thing. But one Big Ten win will also get him to number three all time Big Ten wins. He will be standalone in Big Ten total wins at hundred and he's at one hundred and fifteen right now, tied number three all time with uh, Amos Alonzo Stag from the University of Chicago way back in the day. The only non sports member of the Big Ten. Uh, and he was their head coach for a long time. So one Big Ten win, and he gets number three all-time to himself. And, of course, the other big thing to keep an keep an eye on, obviously the All-American Tory Taylor, repping the punting his winning shirt, uh, and then uh, Brian Ferences, the offensive coordinator, the much maligned oh, offensive coordinator. His drive for 25 points per game, or more specifically, we're calling his drive to 325. That's how many points he has to hit in the regular season to hit his 25 points per game total. And that'll be an interesting roller coaster because Iowa is 31 and one when they hit 25 points a game, like in a game. I've, I've heard people say that they don't like the, the fact that the players have to worry about a distraction. Like I can't that. believe they put it in the contract. It is insane because they're not going to fire him. If he goes, if we go 12 and 0 when they average 24.8 a game, 24.8, yeah. they're not going to fire him. If we go undefeated. No. no, because you've beaten Penn state, you've beaten Northwestern, you've beaten Wisconsin and Purdue and Michigan state. Like in Nebraska, no, no. You're not going to no fire way. him if you don't hit it, but it if will you... trigger like essentially a renegotiation. Yeah. So, but I, unless we have that season, this is Brian's last in Iowa. I, I would, I would hope so. But at the same time, if Cade McNamara is healthy and Johnson being that, that, that big back, I think the offense is going to be much better. Oh, I you have, yeah. You, they don't even need to take much, a huge step to be better. They just need to Pe not be Petrus, the worst. Petrus was just a bad quarterback, and I know it's a possible he may end up being number two. No, nope, he's um, not. A, he's not suited. 
Oh, he's not suiting. He's at a all. graduate, essentially assistant right now, and he's not okay. using. He has a year of eligibility, but he, I think it was his labrum against Nebraska. He like it like totally tore, so he okay. had to have surgery to fix it. He can't throw without pain beyond ten yards. Like okay. he's never gonna throw again. Okay, well, he's, but he's gonna be. And word is he's gonna be a coach somewhere, and it's like he's probably gonna be fine at that because like he his issue uh-huh. was never seeing the game; it was the real time part. Yes, which. That's the real. That's the reality of, of football, of quarterbacking in the in just in, in college and the NFL is that you can read the tape, you can plan it and out. And it, it sounds like he's amazing at that, which is why they kept playing him. It's like he yeah. knows it all, he understands it all, and he, he was great with the, the media. He just didn't have the physical ability to execute on the field. As yeah, a in between his ears, he just couldn't. It couldn't get there. And you know it's funny, but I think I think you and I made that joke at one point in in our Discord was that he's probably going to be an, an awesome co- head coach yeah, somewhere he, someday. Would, because and this is where I I harped on Kirk last year. He kept throwing that kid at the media. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Everyone is yeah. calling for his head. Everyone wants him benched. He's bawling his eyes out, and you're throwing him in front of the media. Yeah. And he handled it like a champ. So I'm like, he's going to be a D1 coach somewhere, and probably be a pretty good one. So. That wouldn't shock me at all. But he'll well, he will not would, come into play at all. Even worst case gradu- scenario. What if he's a graduate assistant and then you know Kurt coaches another six years and then he takes over? No. I, I, I that's the that's the interesting like, thing. Before we get to the schedule, what does Kirk do? So I don't know if you know the name Lavar Woods. Yes, I do. That's the Iowa special teams coordinator. Yeah. And probably the best in the country in terms of probably, execution, coaching, best. development. And he's an yeah. amazing recruiter. It sounds like Dude, him and Liddell Betts, who was a former running back, um, yep. coach who coaches running backs now, it sounds like they're absolutely like a ta- like just a dynamo rec- on the recruiting trail. They know okay. exactly what they want. They're former Iowa guys. They're Kirk's guys. But they know how to get today's kids to buy in to coming to Iowa. And he very clearly wants to be a head coach. Okay. But he's an Iowa guy, wants to stay at Iowa. Sounds like he got some very serious offers to leave this last offseason. I believe it was a Scott Docterman article over at The Athletic was like, he's he had a very difficult decision this offseason, which is code for, oh, somebody was going to give him a lot of money to go somewhere else. It probably wouldn't have been a big school, though. No, but that depends on if it was an offensive coordinator job. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, somebody was going to pay him to leave, and it was a real offer. I mean, it could have been like U of H. Hogerson offered yeah, him. Yeah, somebody like that. Like, somebody moving job. to the Big 12 or something, you know? Like, that yeah. kind of school. And he turned him down. And Kirk is, at, like I said, he's at the point where 200 wins is on the table. 200 wins at Iowa is on the table. How long does he go? Obviously, his son is having issues in terms of not just at Iowa, but people don't really like him. Right? Like, yep. he's got a bad reputation. Yep. And you wonder if college is where he should be, because it sounds like he should just be a tight ends coach, right? Not a coordinator. I sounds agree. like he should not be coaching at Iowa just to get away from that. Yep. Also, we have a new AD, a new interim AD for now, though it is widely expected she will be uh, the permanent AD once the search wraps up. Uh, Beth Getz, she was an interim at Minnesota. She was at Ball State. Uh, she's yeah. now the interim at Iowa and was the deputy AD under Gary Barta for the last calendar year widely expected she's probably going to get the job because shocker she's working with our nil collective gary Barter, gary barter refused to meet with them so she's clearly like hitting the ground running making major changes already met with the media she's going on local talk radio in a way gary barter never did like she's been on a few major shows in the state like she is putting her face forward of like this is what i want for the future of iowa athletics 
I wonder if she's going to have conversations with Kirk about when you, when are you going to retire? It has to happen sooner than later because he is, I want to say, 68. I think so, yeah. Something, he's around that age. So, like, does he coach into his 70s? If he does, LeVar's gone. Whether it's on a short-term deal to coach somewhere else and come back, or does he retire after this season? You know, he gets to wins 200. If we can get to 10 wins... He's, he'll have locked up essentially college football Hall of Fame spot, right? Because he'll be at sixty percent. He'll be in a school for two hundred, you know, at two hundred games career, and have coached somewhere for twenty five years. Like, and his coaching tree right now doesn't look great. But like I said, with like Liddell Betts, Lavar Woods, Phil Parker just never wanted to be a head coach, but he would have been amazing somewhere else. He just didn't want the job anywhere. He loved being a coordinator, like. His coaching tree is going to, I think, be looked better over time. Not quite Hayden Fry level good, because Hayden Fry's is like maybe the greatest of all time. But I think he's going to be a shoe in for the College Football Hall of Fame if we get to 10 wins this season and, he and whether or not he continues after this. It's just going to be a really interesting thing to watch this coming off season, especially with Brian. Like, if, if Brian leaves, does Kirk go too? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you would handle that especially because we know LeVar is going to want the job if Kirk leaves. So it'll be interesting. Well, Let's... I I think, I think I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think if there was a school that was calling LeVar Woods to offer him a coaching job, like a coordinator job, don't quote me on this guys, but I'm going to say because he was going around picking out some of the biggest names in college football last year, like reaching out to them. And that was Dion over in Colorado. I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's the the image he's trying to build is he's trying to build a little bit of a Southern Iowa, you know, with a much yeah. more dynamic offense. Is uh, is what he wants to build. He wants to build. And he a wants team that culture. Ath he wants the culture, but he wants athletes on both sides of the ball, but particularly on defense. And then he wants dynamic quarterback play. And and I could see him trying to reach out to Woods. And you know, I think at that point, that probably it, that's probably what happened. He probably got a call from from Coach Prime or maybe another couple schools. But I think that would be a big thing for. Him. But you're right, man. Is that after five? What this is five or six, fifth or sixth year now with uh, as a, as the special teams coordinator? I think it's I think four officially as the that in that role. I think. Okay. Okay. But he's well, been on the staff for a long time. This is the time where if he's still just the special teams coordinator, if he's not moving up to your like your OC next year. That's the other thing. I'm like, I could see Brian leaving and LeVar being like, hey, you're going to get the coach in waiting. Kirk's going to, yep. this is his last rodeo. You're the offensive coordinator. Let's go. Which I is could, what they, That's which, probably my most likely scenario. Which was what was supposed to happen like 12, 13 years ago when Mac Brown was on his way out of Texas and Will Muschamp, if you remember that, yep. was the, the coordinator. But like he was the quote unquote head coach in waiting. And then the bottom just fell out with everybody there. Yeah. You know? I don't think they're going to give him an official tag like that. Like there yeah. won't be a press conference. that says that oh, he'll, he'll be just the OC, but like behind the door, behind closed doors, it's like the expectation you know, will be, it's your team. And if, if there's any coach that deserves to kind of like how you can have that discussion with him and kind of create a plan of when he's going to go. It's, it's Kurt France. It really is it, it, currently in college football. Right. I mean, yeah. It, there's no other coach you can really think about that of Nick Saban. And, but Nick is the type of guy where he will want his guys like in play. Like he will make it known to everybody in that program. These are who I want versus the school at this point is like, Hey, we really like LeVar Woods. We want him to be the guy. We need to know what your plan is. You know? Yeah. Especially with the new AD, that's a big wrinkle to it. Um, yeah. Where she's from, she's from the outside, you know, 
So, and it's going to be a big decision, probably going to be the first big decision she has to make contract wise in terms of the revenue sports because Fran's locked up for a while. Um, so his, his decision won't come for quite some time unless again, he decides to leave on his own or retire because they're both around the same age. Um, so she's got some big decisions coming up. Plus Lisa Bluters, you know, she's been coaching at Iowa a long time too, but sounds like she wants, she's going to stay at Iowa for until she's done. All right, so, man. So let's go through the schedule. What's the record schedule for you? Where are you at? Let's My go. schedule prediction. I'm going to say 10 and 2. Okay. That's my the one loss is the whiteout game, night game at Penn State. That's going to be tough. That's going to be such a good game, man. It's going to oh. be an amazing game. The only thing is, if they win that game, 2015's on the table. 12-0 is on the table. They win that game. Cuz this schedule after that beyond one game extremely winnable. Like don't get me wrong, Illinois going to be tough, right? Nebraska should be better. Wisconsin is implementing a half of a new air raid system. It sounds like they're going to try to do this hybrid OG Wisconsin air raid system. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you've got the, the right offensive lineman for that kind of system. That's going to be weird to watch. And it's going to be cold some of these times, guys. Like, yep. like but they get them early enough in the season, the weather should still be fine because that's weak. Going into, going into Madison, though, in mid-October, it's going to be pretty chilly that night. Yeah. They haven't said what time, but my guess would be that would be the afternoon slot if if I'm the Big Ten. Um, sure. That's kind of traditional time for them. Normally, it's not a night game, but yeah. it could be. Wisconsin generally doesn't like those. They're, some of the schools in the Big Ten just seem so weird about night games. Kinnick loves them. I was like, give us all the night games, baby. Give well, us Penn, Kinnick voodoo. Give us night games. And Penn State love night games. Yeah. They like, love Penn State, them. they eat that shit up, right? Yeah. But, man, like Michigan, nope. They don't want night games. Uh-uh. Michigan nope. State, they don't want night games. Why? I don't understand it. It's crazy. It's not like in the contract negotiations with the Peacock and all that. Man, there were some like actual fights over that. Like, that's crazy. So after Penn State, I think the most likely loss is at Wisconsin. But okay. typically, Iowa, because of how we play defense and how the offensive generally tends to put teams, fails to put teams away, we play down to the level of competition. Okay. Or play up to because the defense is so good. Like the, the margins for error typically are very low. So we're generally going to, we're going to drop a game. We shouldn't, but if, if it all comes together, if all the transfers work out and it, all the offensive line develops and the defense just minorly takes a step back because they probably will though by proxy, if the offense is better, maybe the defense won't because they won't be on the field as much. I'm torn. I'm much like you. I'm torn between 11 and one, 12, 10 and two. My, my heart says 11, one, my brain tells me 24 years of watching Hawkeye football tells me, at least under Kirk, yet, yet go with the 10 and 2. <laughs> go with the something will fuck up. So I'm going to go 10 and 2 with obviously Penn State and then the at Wisconsin. Those are the two toughest games in the schedule, the two most likely losses. I think 10 and 2 is a pretty fair bet with this team, uh, which, again, that's a really good season. You know, we're, and we'll probably be Big Ten West champs. And. If it all's coming together by then, you know, if we only lose to Wisconsin, Penn State, that's one, two, three, that's six wins in a row to end your season. Everything should be humming. Iowa generally ends better than, you know, they start. So I'd give us a puncher's chance against anybody coming out of the East in Indy because it's not going to, it's not going to be, it's going to be a neutral field. And if, if it all comes together, I'd give Iowa a shot against any team because Ohio State, the, the end score was nuts. That's because we turned it over six times in Ohio State territory. The defense was, they were just fine. They were doing fine. And they didn't, and obviously by the time, 
you know, the end of the season rolled around, they were out of gas because the offense never came together at all. Didn't even like approach coming together. So it wouldn't shock me if they get to Indy and like at least make it a game. So 10 and 2, get into Indy, and then see the chips fall where they may. I think that'd be a so pretty you, good you, season. So you feel you feel in Indy facing Michigan with two of the best running backs in the country and a pretty damn good quarterback and one of the best defenses in the yes. nation. Assu- again, this is assuming all the transfers work out. Everybody stays okay. healthy and like they can go on a run to end the season and get stronger and get better. And the offense really clicks. I think this feels like that 2015 team where like a couple of the things break, right. All of a sudden you're in Indy and that was a hell of a game, you know, like that game was amazing. Low scoring, obviously, but man, I, I can still hear some of those hits in my head. Everybody came to fucking play that game. And I could see that kind of season where the one, the it was clear in 2021 when we got to Indy, we didn't, the guys did not believe they could win. Like, yeah. they were getting run off the field from the jump because they did not expect to win. If it all breaks the other way, I think 10, 10 wins this season would feel a hell of a lot different than 10 wins two years ago. Because that means the quarterback is better, the offense is better. It just it feels different. Yeah. And like God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Ten wins in 2021. Everybody was mad. Everybody was just fucking done with this season, and we won ten fucking games. Right? Like that's crazy. That that shouldn't happen, but it did. And if we get to ten this year, it ain't gonna feel like that. And then I think that gives it a far different feel and game going into Indy, if that happens. Okay. So. I think I think Ohio State is very weak uh, with Kyle McCord as, as a quarterback. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the big Heisman wide yeah, receiver. He's, committed. He's, like, he's, he's the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Well, all you know. Well, Williams coming out. Oh, Caleb Williams. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I keep yeah, Williams is coming okay. out. He'll be one. Okay. He'll be one, but Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going top five for sure. Top top. Oh, top five, definitely. But unless he has a horrible season, which I doubt is going to happen, even with Colin McCord, because they're just going to overuse. Oh, the horrible. The stats don't matter. Everybody, his tape from last year, he's already top five, no matter what stats he puts. Yeah, he was brilliant with CJ Stroud last year. That being said, I think Ohio State takes a step back. Michigan's going to win, 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 win uh, the division outright. And either I have Iowa penciled in. Now I'm going to tell you right now, man. I'll go ahead and put it out there. My surprise team this season, they're not going to make it into the final four of the playoffs, but they're going to knock some heads around, and that's Wisconsin, man. I have a feeling Luke Fickle's going to come in here, and Tanner, Tanner uh, Mordecai was really fucking good at SMU. Really good. And we're talking about SMU, and he threw for almost 4,000 yards, you know, uh, two seasons. He's really good. They have probably the most underrated running back in the country in uh, Braylon Allen. He's going into his third year and he's only 19 years old. Like, come on this. Yeah. Braylon Allen. He came into college football at 16 going on 17. He's 6'2", 240, almost 240 pounds. Like the guy is a, he's a beast. I think, and Wisconsin last year, regardless of, I think what's going to hold them back is their defense. That's the thing is that, they had they should have been a lot better on defense because they were pinned to have a really good defense last year and they weren't consistent. Yeah. I think they let Fickle's teams gonna, control the clock. Yeah. I think I think And that's what can kill the air raid. I think yeah, you're right about that. Because Texas Tech always had that problem uh, under a uh, Mike. And yeah, and you gotta and you gotta face Iowa with hopefully a better offensive line. Like 
that to me is where I'm like, I think it's it's it coin flip game. But if Iowa's offensive line really has taken a step, I actually would want to go 60-40. They win at Madison because okay. you beat an air raid team by playing Iowa football. You control yeah. the clock. You do not turn the ball over, and you make them go through a ton of time on the clock when they have the ball. The other thing for me is you're going into Madison, which can that's be the a, other which, factor. If it was at Iowa a, for sure, I'm penciling W. But yeah, but that's that's a bitch of a place to play. When oh, I totally understand. When they're, when they're a good football team, one of the best rivalries in college football for my money. Yeah, I think I and I'd be happy to see Wisconsin. They have Nebraska under Matt Rule. They'll be much better next year. I don't really have confidence in them, no. in them this year. Um, but I will say Illinois is my Illinois will be my surprise West team. Okay, cool. Because cool. Brett Bielema is about, a heck of a coach. In college football overall. Yeah, you're I talking big picture. Yeah, I'm talking big picture. I think Wisconsin's going to start shaking heads, uh, turning heads, and people are going to be like, is this team? And they're not going to win the Big Ten to be able to no. go to the playoff. But I think that as the season goes on, people are going to be like, oh, shit, Wisconsin's much better than we thought they were going to be. That's my surprise team in college football. So I'm telling you, like, hey, I'm hoping for a really fun game in Madison. I really am because be good time. I'm hoping I'm hoping that, that that Iowa's offense is is much improved just based on the personnel it should be. But if it's a much better offense, given the defense and the spectacular special teams, Iowa's going to be fun to watch. Really, and I really, th- I really, I, which I, I can't believe I we're look, saying about Iowa. I know, I know. Given last year, how last year was just it was a yeah. We're not. Game. We don't mean this in a sicko's way. Iowa yeah. might actually be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. It was just like. It was one of those things by attrition and just like they're a good football team in many areas, except for just a few key things on skill positions on the offensive side of the football and their coordinator. They may be so good talent wise on offense to where the coordinator can because he wasn't bad. No, like when we had back. when it was with Stanley, we had yep. actually some pretty decent offenses. Like yep. we ran USC out of their building. Like yep. in the holiday so, bowl. We ran him we ran him to death. It was awesome. You know, it's just so that's why I'm like, I'm like, if 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 Brian can kind of keep things just going at like a mediocre, yeah, just level, don't if he just the, doesn't fuck up. Yeah, if he does the 25 points a game, that's all you guys need. And we don't need 30, really? which we we, we hit 30. 30 before under him. Yeah. So like, we don't need 30. We just hit 25. I was gonna have a special season, and I'm yeah. excited. And I and I, I it's going to be fun, man, because we we both have schools that are very similar in a lot of ways in terms of like. All it takes is one or like yeah the schedule is like the early season Penn State for us Alabama for you if the breaks yeah. happen yep. look out get on the hype train let's go so like and I agree with you is that if if Iowa beats Penn State that Wisconsin game unless Wisconsin is a jogger not is going to I, I I will change my feeling about that because it's like because Penn State's a really good football team. oh yeah are they we... are I think they are the be obviously behind Ohio State. Again, they're and they're one of those teams. If it breaks right, Penn State could end up yeah. going to town and like maybe even make an indie. I don't know if they beat Michigan though. No, the they problem the with hurdle. the problem with James Franklin is he likes to curl up in a ball. In we just don't moments. know their quarterback though. And that's the big thing. Their quarterback. They have a really good run game. They have a very good defense. But I think the big outlier for Penn State is for me is James Franklin. He's he's a much better but very similar like in terms of like kind of coach with Dana Hogerson and Houston in that like this guy talks a big game or people perceive him to be much bigger in terms of like greatness. I think James Franklin's a, a pretty good coach, but not he's not a Harbaugh. He's not, you know, he's not he's not of that next level, right? He's not a Saban. He's not he's not of that next level. Hell, 
he's probably a rung below Lincoln Riley when I really think about it. But, you know, I, I think that James Franklin is the problem for, for Penn State. And if, if he can't coach his team up, they're not going to show up uh, against Michigan. But they're a team that have enough talent to really knock heads around. And I'm, I'm really like, hey, you guys, if Iowa beats Penn State, yeah, let's go, dude. Like, Because then we'll both be if, – if, if, you know, if, if Texas beats Bama and then a, what is it, a week or two later, you guys beat Penn State, then we're, we're both talking about having some really good football conversations for both schools. Yeah, like that's going to be – like because I might – to talk – I'm going back to the two cam here. Um, yeah. Back in 2015, I was doing a show with Joey. Uh, was the the Farm Nerds podcast, the FN podcast, where we were effing around. I love that tagline. Uh, and that was when they had that 2015, you know, going undefeated season. You know, Colin Coward's losing his fucking mind, you know, on his Fox show. Like, I yeah. can't believe they're winning again. It's like, you know what, Colin, go fuck yourself, right? Like, and that was that whole thing. And it, I would love for that kind of thing to happen again. That would, that was one of the most fun things I've ever done on Saturdays is. I'm gonna other than that 2017 Ohio State game where they just fucking shellacked them on national television. That 2015 season was it was amazing. So was Bedford was Bedford on that 15 team? Uh Bethard, Bethard, yeah. Bethard? He was the quarterback. Okay. That's right. Okay. You know, so I was trying to remember what it was. CJ Bethard. Was. That was when he, again, go back to the mullet thing. He was rocking the long hair then. That's true. He was That's they, true. You know, we called him Sunshine because he had the blonde hair, you know. Quinn, you may want to grow it back, Quinn. You, you may need to, you know. So that's uh, the Iowa season preview. Sorry, we went a little long on on that, but uh, this I is like what we Iowa. do from time to time. We go on little tangents. This is what we do. But still, it's not that long. We're at about an hour no. ten of actual recording time. So really quick, let's yeah. go through our CFP predictions. Um, you have yeah. an actual concrete prediction. Me, I'm kind of wanting. I'm still feeling it out. I have some pencils in, but no, no firm CFP list. So where are you at? Okay, I'm going to tell you guys right now. One of my top four final four teams was the Washington Huskies. They were going to be that team that really took people by surprise. They lost their starting running back today. Yeah, for the season. He's out for the year, for the season. Undisclosed lower body injury is what they're saying. He's out for the season. That does, they still have a dynamic quarterback who I believe is going to win the Heisman and Michael Penix. That's who I think is going to win the Heisman. The bold choice. Caleb, I don't think, I don't think Caleb Williams repeats. I think Penix is going to win it. That being said, though, they're going to struggle without because not only is not only did they lose Davis, but they lost their one of their like their freshman running back has been suspended indefinitely, and then they had another one that has been kicked off the team. One of their sophomores. Yeah, so they don't have a lot of depth. They they don't have depth at all at running back in Washington. So it was really hard for me to as we were as we were prepping this uh, this evening. I was like, I had Washington penciled in, and I'm like, shit, man. But then we had that conversation. You asked me to lock in Texas. Texas goes eleven and one. They're in the fourth spot. That's what they're my number four. They go eleven and one. They lose to Alabama, but they beat everyone else. They are in at the fourth spot. Number three, Clemson, the Tigers. I think I think their quarterback. I, I forget how to pronounce his name. I keep wanting to call him Clubnick or something. I can't remember his name now. He's a pretty good quarterback. Clemson is due to have that rebound. Every couple of years, they kind of take a step back and then they bounce right back up. Dabble is going to bounce back. I think Clemson's number three. Number two spot, got to give it. I, I know you're an Iowa Big Ten guy. Got to give it to the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, man, I don't blame you at all. They have, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, really good defense, and two, arguably two of the best All-American running backs in the country. So I think Michigan's number two. Number one, 
Got to go with the Georgia Bulldogs, man. Even though, what's the quarterback's name here at Georgia? Carson Beck's taking over for Stetson Bennett. I think Georgia's just, their defense They're is They're so just, loaded. I mean, they lost They're a lot of people. They're loaded with day one draft talent. It's crazy. They they lost a lot of players uh, to the draft two seasons ago. And then last season, they lost a lot of starters on, on, on the defensive side last season. But like the guys coming in, as well as the guys that were backing up, they're all they're they're penciled in to be have like to be top tier NFL draft caliber players. That defense is just astounding. So I got to say, Georgia's the number one team again. Yeah. Agreed. So for me, much like you, I echo number one, uh, Georgia. Um, like I said earlier, um, it comes down to the Texas Alabama game. That winner, that's yeah. another team for me. Um, okay. And that and so that means if like Alabama wins, they could lose to Georgia. They're still going to be in. Right. Yeah. Even if they lose twice, maybe I don't know. Like it just depends on the game, like how the games play. You know. Okay. Um. So the if it's not Michigan, the winner of the Big Ten is probably in. Uh, and then that other team, that's where my like surprise, like who's gonna step up? Like we were talking okay. pre-show. You say you're thinking Clemson maybe kind of reasserts itself. I'm wondering, you know, does USC does Riley put it together and like they go nuts? You know. Okay. Because they're not. That's not even a dark horse. Like they got a legitimate shot. You know. They got the you know returning heisman winner who's a great quarterback you got the you know you got lincoln riley you should have a fun offense it'll come down to the defense but in the pac-12 maybe they won't need that to get to the playoff you know so that wouldn't shock me uh it's really but for me that early kind of cut line that texas alabama game that's going to be very interesting to watch because that'll kind of shake up a lot of my my top four so for you you're not worried about USC having to go to face Washington or Oregon when it's all said and done to get through to the playoff. You you think that they're based fine on too. well, I mean Washington again. It it depends on how they rebound from the injury. There some teams yeah. are going to be fine. I don't know yeah. if Washington's that team. Um, and then Oregon, I don't know enough about them to concretely say if their defense is good enough to stand up through that offense. Okay, because it's not like the weather's going to be a factor. So. It's hard for me to say that USC is not the favorite to come out of the Pac-12 in the final year of it. And if they if they go one loss on the Pac-12, that's a pretty good chance they're making it. Okay. Again, dependent I, on other win-losses, you know, who goes undefeated, who's got one. You know, obviously we haven't had a two-loss get in before, so, you know, it'll really come down to those midseason games in the SEC, whether they get one or two teams in. Because if they get two... If Alabama and Georgia both get in, somebody's sitting out that is otherwise a worthy, you know, entry. So, so that'll be interesting. I, I want to talk about USC just because, like, first off, because like they're number Riley, six right now, right? They're ranked six. They're number, they're number six, and a lot of people are saying that they could have a really good year. But the problem is, is that I'll be quite frank, they probably have arguably the toughest outside of Alabama, the toughest schedule in college football. I mean, when you look at their schedule, early on in the season they're good, but then in, on the thirtieth of September. They have to go to Colorado and play the. And That's play the thing. It's like I don't think Colorado's gonna be good. That is okay. so hard to turn over yep. that fast. But it's but look what Dion did at Jackson State and look That's what a t- entirely different level of competition though. The but depth there is, yeah. you know, like your your depth at that level, like your starters will carry you. Not at this level. Your depth fucking matters at this level. That's that's the biggest problem I had with with, what Dion was doing was that he brought in a lot of the very talented players that he brought into Jackson State, right? He brought them over to Colorado. The problem is is that 
a lot of the depth left Colorado, and you haven't heard much about that replacement this like the last. Yeah, couple and months. like, is the depth After, ready for the Big Twelve? Like Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, are they, they ready? Brought, they had they had a good recruiting period this early this year. It wasn't spectacular, so for me, it's like okay, that depth is going to be a problem because a lot of transfer, a lot of the players, like a lot of the depth transferred out, not just starters but depth. Yeah. But but Colorado, I mean, but it's prime. I'm I, I'm not going to say they're going to beat them, but I'm just saying I won't be shocked if Colorado is good. I am not going to be shocked about that. But when you look at that. Colorado's on the schedule. A couple weeks later, they play no. They they play no. They go to uh for uh to, to South Bend and play the Irish there. That's a tough game. Then the next week they got to come back home and play Utah. And then Utah's that, the toughest game for me. For me, it's Notre Dame, Utah. Two weeks later, they got Washington, then Oregon, and then they close out the season with. A team that is probably going to be ranked at the end of the season and be pretty good is UCLA because yeah. they spent a lot of money on NIL. So USC has a really tough road. If oh, they don't get me wrong, up... it's a tough, it's an, you know a tough schedule to follow. But yeah. if the offense is as good as it can be and stays consistent, I, other than Utah, I don't know who's going to keep up with them. Okay, so let's say USC goes eleven and one, and you and Alabama goes eleven and one. Both. What's their loss? Oh, depends on Alabama's tough... loss. It depends on the loss. If, if they're undefeated at SEC, if they yeah. lost to Texas, they're in. If they okay. lost to Georgia, and Georgia's also only got one loss or is undefeated, I don't. If it comes down to that, I don't think the committee would put in Alabama again. I think they would give it to USC if it came down to a that kind of scenario. It would, it would have to be the it would have to be a top team like LSU yeah. or Texas. If Texas is a top ten team, exactly. Okay, okay. and then okay. again, that's assuming the Big Ten winner is only a one or undefeated. Like a one yeah. loss or undefeated. If it's a two loss Big Ten winner, doesn't matter. Like they're out of the conversation. Yeah. So then that opens up the window for other scenarios. But so. which is which is possible because you could have two SEC teams going in there, and then you could have USC with one loss. Because certainly, I'm just saying. Like, I'm just saying. Like I look at USC's schedule, and it's hard for me to oh, say. No, that but they, get me wrong. If they get through that, they are in. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like no, no question. No, if, if they get through that with USC, one loss, they're in. If they get through that with one loss, they're going to be number two behind Georgia. If Georgia stays yeah. undefeated, wouldn't shock me unless because Michigan unless Michigan goes, you know, thirteen zero. Now the 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 game, uh, and I will bring this up real quick for you. My big kind of game to keep an eye on. I don't think it's going to be a stunner, but it's going to be. It could it could be closer than you think. Is Old Miss at uh, Bama and Old Miss? Yeah, because Old Miss has one of the best running backs in the country, and I I, I could see them. Giving them a closer game. The LSU game is very interesting to me, just because it's what Kelly's second second season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they actually have a legit quarterback. They have they've retooled some of their skill positions. That LSU game is going to be fun. It always is. Yeah. I just and to circle back to USC. I don't. I think Notre Dame's on the step back. You know. Okay. That's I fair. just that's fair. under uh, was it Marcus? Is it Freeman? That's his. Is that his name? Coach Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just don't get the vibe that they're the powerhouse they were even five years ago. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't strike me as a top ten team anymore. For what it I, for what it's worth. No, that's fair. I think I think that Oregon game just be, maybe you, you didn't do enough like reading. Yeah, again, I'm that's a that's a it's a lot. That's a, that's a game. Yeah, it is a lot. But Oregon did retool with NIL on their defense. Oh, for so sure. Maybe, maybe Oregon. They got is that Phil Knight money, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's why the Big Ten is welcoming them with open arms. Fuck yeah, on half share. Yeah, so, but um. That USC has one of the toughest schedules next to Alabama, and so hey, if they end up eleven and one, I could see their. But if both schools are eleven and one, like you said, it depends on the loss. But there could be a lot of conversation being had right there. You know, when this expands to twelve teams, 
that's going to get much more fun in terms of like oh, a I lot can't of wait. Schools, I cannot like, wait. A lot of these schools, like a fringe school, like a TCU could get back in it. Oh, Iowa like, would end up as a, as a double digit seed a, a few different years in Kirk's tenure. If they right? had a 12 team playoff, like Oh right. nine, Iowa would be in a 12 team playoff and probably win a game or two. I mean, a lot of it helps that their schedule is brutal every year. You know, Iowa schedule. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was a perennial top 25 team, you know, like, man, like there's just so many different storylines to go through this yeah, year. Man. This year is going to be wild. Cause you got the last year of the pack 12, you've got the re- you know, a repeat Heisman potentially you've got all the other realignment news, like the new big 12, right? Texas and Oklahoma. It's the last year with their rivalries. Like yep. so much craziness is happening. And a potential three peat with Georgia. Like there's yeah, just the first three peat I... since I want to say it was 1950s, Minnesota. I think you're. I think you're right. It's a Minnesota team. I think it was 1950. I, I think it was in Minnesota. that window, right after World War II. They had a three-peat. And we're over here talking about this, and we're disrespecting Florida State. But I, I feel like Florida State is my Notre Dame. I think they're not as. I think they're a little over. They're they're a little too big for their britches right now. When it comes oh. to this realignment talk. Oh, let's let's realignment aside. I think just I think just as a team team, I think people are overvalued valuably value. Overvaluing them right now, I really Speaking do. Speaking of, I, did you see somebody had put Iowa as overrated? And I'm like, what the fuck is overrating Iowa right now? Other than like the fans, you know, like on the yeah. media scale, what the fuck is overrating Iowa? CBS Sports, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who's overrating Iowa? And they had Iowa on both. They had underrated and overrated. Just like make up your fucking mind, CBS Sports. Ah. Hey, and then the ACC still has a quiet. One of the best quarterbacks in the country, Drake May. UNC is a team not to like. They could create problems for Florida State and for Clemson, like to get into the playoff. Like for sure, UNC, yeah. UNC like that could sink the ACC's option to get yeah. into the. You know, they're gonna make a mess. Yeah, and it's but then these are there's just so many layers to these storylines, man. And you know, the Big Twelve is changing where Texas and Oklahoma are, are leaving at the end of the season. Both schools want to go out on top. Of course, people want to say Oklahoma's a team to. Just... I think much like Notre Dame, they're on the. I think they're just on the backswing. Like I just, uh, yeah. It just seems like Venables isn't that dude in terms of national like championship. That dude. Yeah. Seems like a solid enough coach. I just worry he's not a prime time D one. I'm gonna take us to the promised land, coach. No, he 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 like he could he like he's one of those guys that that would come into like Arkansas and give him a couple of really good seasons and then you know have some back seasons. I think that's what's going to happen with Oklahoma with him, which for me as a, as a Longhorn, I'm like, I worry Oklahoma's going to turn into like the Iowa of the SEC in terms of, like, and that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Iowa is a good program. Okay. Iowa is in the, that, like I, if, if they, if the big two break away, Iowa's staying in the big two, like where we make a lot of rev, they make a lot of money. Their athletic department is in the black with beyond the a couple down years and COVID screwed everything up. But they win a lot of games. You know, they're a top 25 team. I would say top 25 program, like all-time college football. Best rest, best wrestling program. Yeah, like the- their athletic department is going to keep them in. Yeah. Oklahoma, like, teams, there's maybe 10 teams over the last 40 years that wouldn't kill for the consistency of Iowa. And I don't know yeah. if Oklahoma's on that list. You know what I mean? They've had some great years under Stoops, but like before Stoops. Oh, no, no. Under the John Blake era, like before no, They Stoops- had some great teams too, but like I'm talking consistency-wise. No, like in the 80s and 90s, there were some yeah. really bad, like a lot of bad years for Oklahoma. Exactly. Like, I don't know if they're really... on that that last 40 years. If any, Who would not take what Iowa has done? It's There's not many programs. Just because Texas has the money to be able to. And, and they've got the, the momentum. Oklahoma yeah. does not. 
and going into a new ground where you're going to be the dude that gets punched. Can they stand up to that? It, it, the, the the best thing that, that could have happened to Texas was if, if Sarkeesian bec- becomes that next level head coach and keep, it coaches his team up to be ready for the big games. But he knows the SEC. He worked under Nick Saban. So, like, he knows how to recruit all over the U.S., you know? Like, he's brought in yeah. players from all over the country. So, recruitment-wise, talent-wise, assistant coaches, I think Texas is going to be okay for now. It's just I need to make sure that Sark has that ability, that dog in him to, like you said, like Venables doesn't, to take that next level, that step to the next level. And, like, this is it for Sark for me, personally. Like, Yeah, hey, this is, this this is the this... chips are down, man. Yeah. Make a break like, time. If... If he comes out and they lose, they lose five games this season. It's like, yeah, like, like this is going to be bad for them in the SEC. It really would will be next year. But this could be an easily a really entertaining season for Texas, you know. Yep. But you just look down the list, man. There's just so much. And like, like I said, we're not giving enough love to Utah, which is a very good school. If Cam Rising stays healthy, that's a good school. Tennessee is talented. Like, there's just so many different layers of college football that could be really like this. Could be the usual suspects at the top four at the end of the year, it could easily be like, holy shit, we have madness going into the playoff. Like, there's so many teams yeah, that are deserving. Beyond Georgia and Michigan, spot. it seems pretty wide open. Yeah, so this is going to be fun, man. This is going to be so, fun. I'm getting, I'm getting pumped, man. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. We're almost an hour and a half, which is crazy. Uh, but I figured, you know, week zero, a bit of a longer preview makes the most sense since we're doing team previews. Um, yeah. So our plan will be next week, I don't know if we want to stick to Tuesday recordings. We might do Wednesday. Depends on schedule and life stuff because both of us have jobs. So, you know, it may not be exactly the same every single week, but I'll try to at least publish every single week on Wednesday Um, because next week we're going to go through our picks for week one. We're running our, like I said, we're running our run your pool um, bracket or picks pool. It's five games. It's totally free too. It's just a straight pick them. No points, no odds, nothing. You're just picking win-loss and a tiebreaker total number of points. Kind of like a March Madness, you know, pick the final score total. Every you know, every win is a point, and at the end of the season, the winner is going to get a custom wood burning by yours truly. Again, if you want to join that, our email is twobacksetpod at gmail.com. It's T-W-O. The two is spelled out, much like our logo and on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, I'm going to get us on podcast services too. i got to actually make the Podbean account and pay for it. Uh, to get us on everything, but that'll be done uh, tonight or tomorrow. And then, of course, it, let us know what you thought of our team previews, whether you're an Iowa or a Texas fan, or if you're a fan of a different team and want us to tell us what you think your team's going to do this season, let us know. And we'll be going through the standings of the brackets as we go through, or the, the picks pool, I keep saying bracket because I have March Madness on the brain. Uh, mm-hmm. Go through the picks pool as we go. We'll update the standings. We'll go through our week, weekly picks next week because our on run your pool week zero and week one get lumped together so we didn't pick any week zero games for the pool it's all week one games we have i believe it's um well hang on let me go to the actual run your pool page make your picks make your picks it's the we have florida at utah nebraska at minnesota and then we're following our two teams uh utah state at iowa rice at texas that should be two easy wins and then North Carolina goes to South Carolina, an in-state rivalry. Three of those games should be pretty tight. Two of those games, the Iowa-Texas game, they should be wins. So we'll go through those picks next week, um, and uh, we'll hopefully have a season-long contest to see who comes out on top. And uh, we might have uh, some stakes. We'll, we'll might see if we, what we have for stakes between me and Fusion for that. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, just the first couple two, the first week, things get a little soft because a lot of cream puffs are scheduled for a lot of the bigger schools. But as the season goes on for Texas, week two, they're playing. You know, yeah, they they come out storming. I mean, they they come out of the gates like let's do this in week two. But as the season goes on and you kick into conference play, then shit gets interesting with those five picks. They're gonna get some. Like, yeah, it's we're going to have hard. some fun. We're going to have some yeah. fun. Fusion and I, we're going to go through, like, next week, on top of picking our picks, we'll go through what we want to pick for week two. You know, like, what games are we picking? So you can keep keep watching those teams a week early to get a feel for, you know, those kind of games and kind of kind of watch more games together. Uh, so that should be some, some good times. So, again, let us know what you think of the show. Um, if it's on podcast services, leave reviews to help the algorithm. Send us an email again with what you think of the show, and uh, we'll see you guys next week for our official week one episode here on the two back set podcast. Bring on the football. Indeed.